Welcome to Weston's Sermon Podcast of the Week. We're so glad you joined us today. If you've been encouraged by our ministry and would like to support us financially, you can do so at westonroadchurch.com slash give. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy this week's message. So God's been taking us on such an awesome journey, and you'll hear about it a little bit today. So I'm thankful for this opportunity to preach to you today. Um, I'm going to be talking to two people in the place today. And if you don't fall under this category, that's okay. I'm sure you'll be blessed. But um, the two people I want to talk to today are those who have a trouble getting past their past and those who are distracted by the people around them. And if that's not you, that's okay. I know you're perfect. So I'd like to meet you afterwards. Um, And I'd like to propose to you today the idea that our God, he only moves in one direction and that's forward. So today we're going to be talking about looking forward. If you would please stand with me for the reading of God's word. We're going to turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Somebody, if you're there, give me a holler. Amen. Amen. (laughs) All right. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 through 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses... Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for us, Lord. And Father, today I pray that we would learn from you, learn how you look, learn the direction that you are going. God, I pray that you would come, Holy Spirit, anoint my lips. I pray that I would be able to preach your word effectively and allow hearts in this place to be softened and ears to be open to receive what it is that you have for them. Lord Jesus, I pray today that the word does exactly what it was intended to do, that it cuts through marrow and bone to the very core of each and every heart in this place. In Jesus' mighty name, somebody say amen. 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 You can take a seat. I love to drive. Driving is probably my favorite hobby, recreation, whatever you want to call it. Some people like sports. I don't like sports, playing sports at least. So driving um, is probably my favorite thing to do. It clears my head. It helps me to think. The Lord speaks to me in the car. And Ashley and I um, love driving. We've always gone on road trips and drives, even so much so that we thought um, that it would be a good idea to plan a wedding and then go for a road trip for a honeymoon, which... uh, wasn't the best idea in the world, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, but I love driving, and I've lived, I was born and raised in St. Catharines, Ontario. So when we moved here, it was a little bit of a culture shock in the driving sense because uh, the speed limit is always 50 everywhere in Niagara. And here, um, I don't exactly know what the speed limit is. Uh, with the people around, and the conviction of the Holy Spirit falls on the people. <laughs> um, 
So driving has been an amazing experience for me. So many awesome things have happened in our car. Her name's Gertrude. We love her. Um, So GTA driving has definitely been a change for me. And I don't mind any kind of driving, highway driving, freeway driving, city driving. It doesn't matter. But I can tell you one kind of driving that I, I know hate is a strong word, but I am wise to use it in this context is traffic driving. With a show of hands, how many of you love driving in the traffic? Wow. Wow. Everyone's like, how many of you hate traffic driving? Oh, uh, oh, oh, that's wrong. So tra- traffic driving is not my favorite. It is the worst. I, it takes hours instead of 15 minutes. And we live right up the 427, which is probably the worst highway known to mankind in the history of the world. So, um, <laughs> so it hasn't always been a breeze. Um, and there's lots of reasons for traffic jams. I get it. People are busy. There's a lot of people that live in our city. But I can tell you one reason that I can't stand traffic jams. I get that people get in accidents. Makes sense. Obviously not okay because people don't drive properly. But my, probably my biggest pet peeve almost of all time is when I'm driving in, let's say, the right lane or the right side of the highway going north. And coming south, I see... No traffic. And then I see traffic here. And then you pass an accident on the other side of the highway. And then your lane just opens up. And everyone keeps going. When nothing is happening on our side of the highway. Why is that? I'm going to preach passionately to you today, church. It doesn't make any sense to me. Why is my side of the highway stopping because of what's happening over there? And I'd like to propose to you the idea that we get so caught up looking left and looking right that we're not focused on what's ahead of us. Amen? So looking forward, we're going to turn to Proverbs 4, starting in verse 25. Also, who's got their Bible in the house today? Show me. Amen. Who's writing notes today? Amen. The devil hates it when you write notes because he reminds him of the word of God. Anyways, Proverbs 4.25, it says this. Let your eyes look straight ahead of you. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or to the left and keep your foot from evil. And I know that in, in, in the GTA in Toronto, there's a lot of road rage that happens. I've experienced it myself. <laughs> um, and it changes people. So I just want to give you guys a little exercise on how you can deal with that. All, all you got to say. Proverbs 425. That's all you got to say. You don't, you don't have to use any fingers. You don't have to say any other words. You just tell them to look at the word of God and they'll be convicted and they'll go straight. Am I right? Amen. So let's read that again. Let your eyes look straight ahead of you. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. I want to focus on the do not turn to the right or to the left. 
I know in this context, keeping your foot from evil, we're talking about, or the Bible's talking about, um, staying away from influences around you, the world around you, and not turning down those paths, but staying down your path. But if you would let me today just take that, keep your, or do not turn to the right or the left, out of context for this, for just one second, so I can give you an idea. Do not turn to the right or the left. Instantly, when I read that, my mind goes, oh, them, because I'm a youth director. I work with youth. I hang out with them. I've worked with youth. Instantly, when I read that, my mind goes, Mm, them youths better stay away from those bad guys. You know what I mean? And all of us do that. But I'd like to give you the idea today that I'm not just talking about staying away from bad influences, but being careful how much we looked to the right or to the left from the Christians around us. Because I can tell you, even in my own life and many people that I know, that they get so caught up in what someone else is doing to get close to God or someone else is calling that they forget their own path. They forget how to walk forward in who they are and their faith almost becomes pretend because they're imitating someone else. And I'm not, don't hear me wrong, it is amazing to have mentors, to have people to speak into your life, to have Pastor John as a role model to chase after the kind of relationship that someone has with God. But if you do it exactly the way that they do it, you're not going to go forward in what you were called to go forward in. Looking forward, do not turn to the right or to the left because God has called each and every one of us to a specific path, to a specific calling. Each and every one of us. And, and even if you have never known it or heard it today, you're called. You're called. So don't get so caught up in, yes, not only the world around you, looking to the right or the left, but try not to get so caught up in the Christians around you. Understand that it's okay to desire a kind of relationship. I've seen many worship leaders, um, when I was developing to be a worship leader, that I was like, wow, that person just has a crazy connection to heaven. But I've found myself going in a way that only that person has gone in order to achieve that connection with God. But we were called to have our own intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen, church? And what happens when we get caught up looking to the right or to the left? Because let's go back to that traffic jam. I'm on the right side of the highway. Everyone stopped. But... Someone had to stop first. So there's thousands of cars behind me because one person can't keep his eye on the road and has to get caught up in the other lane. And it's what someone else is doing, that it stops all other people. And especially those of you who are leaders, not just in the church, but in your workplace. If you get caught up looking around at what other people are doing, you're going to slow your followers down. And to do that, to look over why everyone stopped is because they put their foot on the brake instead of just going forward in the way that they're going. If this is you, if you feel in your heart that the Holy Spirit's telling you, yes, you're getting caught up in the people around you, I'm going to give you an opportunity at the end of my message to kind of move on from that and look forward to what Jesus Christ has for you. 
So like I mentioned, we love to drive so much. Um, Whenever we need to just get out, we just go for a drive, put the windows down. It's awesome. And uh, like I said, we decided that it would be a wise idea to plan a whole wedding in five months and then two days later drive from one end of America to the next. (laughs) You can laugh at me. I give you all permission. Um, I don't know if we were thinking that we would just like have all this bundle of energy once being married. Um, but it wasn't the best idea. So we, after, right after we got married, we flew to LA and we drove from LA to Portland, Oregon, um, in 10 days. And it was one heck of a honeymoon. I'm not going to go into every single detail, but it was a disaster. I can tell you that right now. We ended up on Skid Row. Uh, if anyone knows where that is, that's where our first destination was. Anyways, I'm traumatized. (laughs) Um, But we ended up in this place, I still can't pronounce it, it's on the east side of uh, California, it's called Tulemani, I think. Um, But it's basically in the mountains, so as we were driving there, Ashley was passed out in the back of the car, and I, uh, well, it's a long story, but the road started disappearing, and I started driving up a mountain, so that was fun. And then... um, So eventually we found the place. We found where we were supposed to stay and it was awesome. So after the, how many days was that in? Five? Three? Um, After those three days of um, testing and trialing. P.S. We don't fight. We have growth opportunities. We have growth opportunities. So, So our honeymoon was marriage boot camp. And let me tell you, we grew so we ended up in Tulamani, and uh, we just took the next day and literally did not walk outside the door. We just relaxed. It was awesome. It was probably the best day of our entire honeymoon when we didn't do anything. And then the next day, we thought, okay, we've relaxed. We've refreshed. We're, we're okay. Settled down. So let's go to the market. This was like a very little town um, and like maybe half an hour, 40 minutes away from the actual where their stores because um, we were way up in the mountains. And when it says, like, when you book an Airbnb and it says spacious mountain getaway, just know that they mean mountain getaway. Anyways, um, so we go to the market and we leave. And um, I forget that our hosts send us directions of how to get there. So we got there fine, but I, I kind of forgot that they mentioned don't go down the dirt road um forgot and then so we if we drove up i think we got in the car for 30 seconds and then we took this left turn and then the pavement disappeared and then it kind of started going down and she's like you should you should probably stop or turn around i was like babe i got this i got we're just like five days married. I got to be Superman. I got to show her what I can do. So we're driving down this hill and then all of a sudden rocks all in the bottom of our rental car. The road turns into about this big and then trees start falling down and then I park and then um, it decides to start pouring rain. So that, and does anyone know what happens to a dirt road when it rains? It, it disappears. <laughs> so we're stuck about this angle on a dirt road, pouring rain, 
no road left. The whole car scratched, rental car, might I add. So we stopped. And then I went back, and I got the... Our host was a park ranger, and he came and he got us out. And it was a miracle because our car wasn't supposed to have a tow hook, but it had a tow hook, praise the Lord. So he saved us from a lot of money. But anyways, all that to say, if anyone, and I mean anyone, has a past to regret, is this guy right here. <laughs> Mr. Hey, let's drive from L.A. to Portland, Oregon after planning a whole wedding. How many of you have a past? And we can all raise our hands because we all have a past. I'm not just talking about a decade ago. I'm not talking about five months ago. I'm saying what happened last night. I'm saying on the way to church when you were having a growth opportunity with your spouse. We all have a past. Let me give you another analogy about driving. If I'm driving down the highway and I'm looking only in my rearview mirror, looking at what's behind me. And it's okay to reflect. Note that. The rearview mirror is there to reflect on what's behind you. But if I'm only staring in that rearview mirror, what's going to happen? Somebody tell me, what's going to happen? I'm going to crash. I'm not going to go forward. I'm not going to go in the direction that I'm supposed to go to. Say, looking forward. Looking forward. Forward. Let's turn together to Philippians 3. Philippians chapter 3. We're going to read from Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. Somebody shout amen. amen. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived in my goal. But I press on to take hold of, of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize. The prize. See, Paul is a very humble man and he says, listen, I don't, I don't have it all together. But one thing I do is forgetting what's behind me and straining towards what's ahead of me. In order to do what? To win the prize. To win the prize. And, and this prize, we'll talk about it in a second, but it's, it's a beautiful prize. But those who are getting caught up in their past, I encourage you, forget what is behind and strain toward what is ahead. Not even so that you can just win the prize, but like Pastor John has been talking about, so that you can step into what God has for you. You can step into the new thing. We're so caught up in what's right here, the next step, that we never see what's new, what's ahead of us. And we're looking behind and looking back or looking to the right or to the left and have no idea where we're going or where even God's calling us to because we're so distracted on the things around us. So I encourage you, if this is you, Looking to what is behind. 
I'm going to give you an opportunity to take your eyes off the past and look towards the future. God says, forget the former things because I'm doing something new. So what is there to look forward to? I've been in a place in my life where I've said, why even bother? I don't know what's ahead of me. I don't even know if God's there. And I believe that there might be someone in this room today that feels that they have nothing to look forward to. That feels like all hope is lost. Maybe you've lost a family member. Maybe you've lost your job. Maybe your son or daughter isn't following Christ the way that you desire them to. And you don't know if there's anything to look forward to. So you're looking back at what you did wrong. You're looking to the right or to the left of what everyone else is doing just to try and figure it out. And you feel like there's nothing to look forward to. But let me tell you, church, we have something. Let's turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6 and 8. I'm going to read it off the screen with you because I have it in a different translation. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6 and 8. As for me, this is Paul speaking again. My life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of death is near. I have fought the good fight and have finished the race. And I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me. The crown of righteousness which the Lord... The righteous judge will give me, don't turn the slide yet, Ben, please, will give me on the day of his return. So this prize that we have to look forward to, how do we get this? Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead for this prize, the crown of righteousness. You can change the slide, Ben. And the prize is not just for me, but for all, read this with me, who eagerly look forward to his appearing. To his appearing. Church, let me tell you today, Jesus Christ is coming back for us. Jesus Christ is coming back for his church. And I'm going to be real honest with you. It is not very often that I think about the fact that my Lord and Savior is coming back for me. It's not very often because I'm so caught up in the here, in the behind, or to what anyone else is doing. That I don't even spend a day where not even a thought comes into my mind. That Jesus Christ, who died on a cross, is coming back for his church. is coming back for us. And that's something to look forward to. I know all the young people in the room is like, he's, he's, he's not coming back yet though, right? Like not yet. He's not coming back. But he's coming back for us and that's something to look forward to. You see, when I was young, I wasn't left alone very much. So it wasn't often. And I think, I don't even know, maybe I was 12 or something. And... It was the first time my parents were going away. It was just me and my sister. And you know, when you're young, like you have no idea of time or what it is. 
So my dad goes away, um, my mom and him on a little vacation for two weeks, just two weeks. Maybe like two days later, I'm like, hey, Emma, my sister, is dad coming home today? She's like, two weeks. It's, it's It's been two days. But when I get to that time where my dad comes home, there is nothing in this world that would stop me from pure excitement and chasing after his arms and chasing after the fact that he came back to see me. Let's turn to Hebrews 12 again, our main scripture. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before for the joy set before the joy set before him. Church, do you know what the joy set before him was? It wasn't the cross. It wasn't the fact that he was going to die of suffocation, be tormented, beaten, and mocked. It was the fact that one day, listen, listen, one day he was going to come back and bring us to the place, the heavenly, eternal places that he's created for us. You were the joy set before him. You were the joy. You were the joy set before him that he did all this in order to have a place with you in heaven. And we're so caught up. In the petty things of the earth. That I don't even go a day thinking about the fact that he's made a place for me in heaven. That he's made a place for Spencer in heaven. For each and every one of you in heaven. And I want to encourage you, church, to consider him. Like that passage says, consider him who endured this. I want to encourage you today to consider him. And what he did for us. So that he could create a place for us in heaven. So that we would be with him forever. Come on, I see dead stairs. But that's something to get excited about. There's a place in heaven for us. This crown of righteousness. This prize that we have is waiting for us in eternal places. And let me tell you right now, church, that is something to look forward to. The prize is for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. Therefore, let us throw off everything that hinders and run the race that has been marked out for each and every one of us. Because why? If, he, if we were the joy set before him, let's make him the joy set before us. Amen. Why don't you all close your eyes and bow your heads. Like I said, to each person that I was speaking to today, those who are having trouble getting past their past or getting so distracted by the things around them, good or bad, I'm going to give you an opportunity to take your eyes off these things and look towards Jesus with every eye closed and every head bowed.
even mine. I want you to raise your hand to heaven on the count of three. Not for me, especially not for the people around you. But this is your covenant being made to Jesus himself. Knowing that you will look past and look eagerly forward to him. On the count of three, if this is you, you can raise your hands. One, two, three. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to give you a couple more seconds. Thank you, Jesus. Even in the silence, we make a covenant with him. Jesus, I thank you for the heavenly places you've made for us. That each and every one of us who is known and identified as your child has a place next to you. In eternity, And I thank you for that. So Lord, forgive us for getting so caught up in the past. Forgive us for getting so caught up in the things around us that, that we often go times without even thinking about the place that you have for us, without even thinking that you're coming back for us. But Lord, I pray that you would lay such a deep-rooted excitement to see you face to face again. Jesus, we thank you for enduring this cross, enduring such opposition because I and we were the joy set before you. So Jesus, we take this moment and look past our past. We look past what's around us and we make you the joy set before us in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Come on. If you could just get excited with me that our King is returning. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon of the week. God wants to work in your life and we want to hear about it. Please take a moment to share your story by emailing amen at westernroadchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope listening to this week's message has equipped you to be the light wherever you go.